Welcome to episode 11 of the Helpful Huddle podcast. Thank you so much for listening in today. In our episode today, I get the opportunity to interview RD, MBA, and RYT Sarah Barrero. She's actually a good friend of mine and someone I have gotten the opportunity to work beside and with. You are in for a treat as we dive into her story and how she is helping others. So turn up your volume, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Helpful Huddle podcast. I am your host, Luke, and I am sitting here with a good friend of mine, Sarah Barrero. Say hi to the people, Sarah. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, A little short introduction on how me and Sarah met. We actually met, what was it? Was it 2019? It was pre-pandemic. I think I actually met you when you were cleaning out my condo in 2019 <laughs> after the after the, the epic <laughs> the flood. Um, I, mean, I think we at least hired you first, so I think I knew you. Maybe I didn't meet you, but knew you. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, that was our second meeting. Fair. Um, but what we're talking about, me and Sarah worked together at Lifetime in Houston, or one of the Lifetimes in Houston. Um, I was very fortunate enough to be a part of the management team that got to hire her on as our registered dietitian. And she is an awesome, awesome person. We'll be talking more about nutrition and diet stuff later. But what she was talking about was we hired her. And then very shortly after, Houston floods a lot and her condo flooded. So that was that was fun. <laughs> it was an experience. It it was something. <laughs> and are you still living in that condo? No, 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 oh, well, no. Because I, I think you owned it. Like you did, you weren't like yeah. renting it out. Right. No, I sold it in 2020, like right after everything ended with lifetime. I sold mm-hmm. it, got out of there. Thank God. <laughs> um, and now I'm on the fifth floor. Um, Perfect. Gorgeous view of downtown, you know, with yeah. the with the snow, the the snow apocalypse. I was able to see <laughs> like whole city covered in snow. It was wonderful. Well, I bet that was actually really pretty. Yeah, it was cool. This apartment's been great. It's been a whole three sixty. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that's awesome to hear. Um, but I do want to give like a little background. We work, we did work together at Lifetime, what she's talking about, like pandemic hit, everything kind of shut down. And a lot of us kind of went our own separate ways. I'm like, some left the industry, some left Houston, like myself. Um, you did not leave Houston. You left the fitness industry, but obviously still doing dietitian work and which we'll get into. Um, and anything else you want to add about how we met originally? Um, I don't know. I guess there's so many things like, uh, it was, it it was interesting to kind of meet the whole team, like in Mm -hmm. such a like tumultuous time. Um, but I will say like, it really set the tone for how we all got along. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that was really cool. It's like a, it's like a, the opposite of a meet cute but for like colleagues, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it was nice. Like, you know, it's, it was cool to know that I was being hired on and like everyone for the most part came out to like help me out in the time. Sure. I didn't know anybody. Um, so I always say like, 
Um, since then, people ask me like how I feel about Houston or like, you know, why do you stay? I think like part of it is just the people that I've met um, in general. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that um, y'all definitely had a, an impact on my outlook. I love it. And I'm glad that we could make a lasting impact. And for anybody watching on YouTube, that is Lola behind Sarah. And she'll be making many appearances during this, I imagine. She's just, this is, this is her house. I just live in it. For sure. And pay the bills. And... Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but Sarah, I'm ready to jump into the interview. How do you feel? Let's, let's do it. I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to not fumble, stumble on my words. Sometimes, like you used to say, words are hard. So Words are hard. I was about to say that. <laughs> I mean, we used to always say that. Because so. <laughs> they are. It is. It is. It's very true. It's very true. <laughs> but, but Sarah, I do always like to start these interviews with a kind of a broad question. And like, I want to learn more about your entire story. Let the listeners learn more about your story. Um, kind of tell us about your journey, like childhood to here, what got you into nutrition and to be a dietitian. And yeah, I want to know your story. I want to know your why. Take it away. Yeah. So I never really knew like um, what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I, I still don't think that I do. Um, <laughs> but I um, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in middle school. So I think it was like seventh grade or so. And so when you're in the hospital with diabetes, um, whether it's type 1, type 2, whatever it is, like a dietitian goes into your room and kind of talks to you about how you know, to manage the dosing of your insulin with foods and like goes through carb counting and all these things that I had no idea even existed. I was like, I don't know, 12 or so. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the dietitian at the hospital um, was super sweet. She was so nice and like had a really good bedside manner, um, uh, connected with her really well. And um, my mom, like, getting ready to be discharged. She was like, you know what? That would be a really like cool job for you, Sarah. Like, I'll never forget her saying that, like <laughs> you could do something like this because she, if you, anyone knows me, like I'm a huge food person. I love to eat. Like mm -hmm. I, I am all about all the food. Um, so like my mom obviously knew that about me and she was like, Sarah, you love to eat. Like this sounds like a great job <laughs> all day. Um, and I was like, you know what, mom, you know, that's the, actually a great idea like um so that kind of planted the seed um but still like when i went to college i didn't really i wasn't fully invested um and i was i thought i was going to study radiology so i thought i was going to do the whole like plan of study for med school then do like the whole eight years plus shebang mm -hmm. um but then i um took like my first chemistry class like college level chemistry and i was like f this can we curse <laughs> yeah was, do whatever you want i was like this is this is this is this is torture um so why don't i flip <laughs> and that's what happened i was like okay i don't want to go to school for eight years i also don't want to do all this science um so then i decided to do nutrition which um at the time i didn't realize that my bachelor is in science so I still had to do a like, <laughs> yeah. ton of science, um, which like 
was probably one of the most challenging times in my life, like doing all mm-hmm. the biochems and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so then I was committed at that point. Um, and so graduation comes um, and I didn't end up passing my RD exam. Not, not I didn't pass my RD exam. I did. The I didn't get um, matched. So dietitians have to go through a matching program like doctors do. Okay. Um, we have to like basically rank the school. They rank us um, in order to do our internship because we have to have like 1,200 hours documented practice time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole thing. Anyway, so I didn't get matched my first go around. Um, so my plan B, I took a year off and I worked in food sensitivities. So I worked for a company um, that basically provided the ALCAT food sensitivity testing. And so I worked counseling people on their results. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a cool kind of like gap year, I guess. Um, because it really set the tone for like my nutrition philosophy today. Um, that job, like huge, huge, huge thanks to Amy, my boss. Like she really kind of opened the whole door to integrative and functional medicine and kind of food as medicine, which you don't really learn in in your traditional like undergraduate degree. Um, so. From there, I just kind of started to pave the way of like the non-traditional route for working as a dietitian. So um, I ended up going um, to this program out of this private university to get my internship done, um, passed my RD exam on the first time, um, died, I like died, <laughs> I died that day. Um, and then I started working in the hospital, um, because that was the only place at the time in South Florida, like that would take on a a new dietitian. Um, and yeah, so I just knew like working in the hospital at my first job, I just basically, um, I knew that it was like confirmation that this is not for me. Like I really Mm -hmm. wanted that non-traditional route. Um, so then I went ahead and, and went back to school and got my MBA. Um, wow. in my head, I was like, yeah, like I'm going to integrate business with nutrition, whether I want to start my own business or like, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that I need to understand, like, I need to understand the foundation of business, mm-hmm. how like I can affect the company's bottom line by improving the employee's health, et cetera. So did that. I was working for a supplement company at the time. Um, and then ever since I got my MBA, I like never went back to the hospitals, like never went back nice. to the clinical setting um, with the exception of COVID. Like when COVID hit, the hospitals were the only things that were open. Right. Um, so I guess that kind of falls into like my why. My why is to kind of show the individuals that I work with that nutrition is much more than like diet plans or like telling you what to eat. Um, I think it's really about cultivating new behaviors and, and as a dietitian, like integrating the science and, um, the rationale, like I always say to my people, um, my people, my patients, (laughs) my people, my patients, my patients, my clients, I always say like, there's a lot of information out there, but there's not a lot of education. 
Like we can open up our phones now and like whatever we want to know, like we, we can know it, but we don't have like an education around it or like we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like why, I don't know. Why is this person on Instagram taking collagen? You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm just taking collagen because this person's taking collagen. Cool. Like there needs to be an education around it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess that's kind of, kind of my why and my counseling, what drives me, um, is the education piece. Um, yeah, that was a long winded answer. No, I love it. And I, I learned, I learned about you. Like I didn't, I didn't look at your resume when you applied. I didn't know you had your MBA. I just knew you were a dietitian. Um, but I, I also want to like add on to like, you're the only person that I've ever like registered dietitian. You're the only person that I've ever seen work or work with. And you, I don't know if you remember, you actually did help me through like food sensitivity testing and blood work and try to, and get my gut back healthy. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I I don't know. That's cool. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) You've worked with a lot of people. Totally cool. Um, But I also got the opportunity like to experience like your work firsthand. You went through my, my lab work and my food sensitivities because Lifetime did all those testings at the time. I don't know if they still do. Um, But I also got to like, I don't shadow or sit in on some of your other uh, consults. And it's just really cool to see how you work with people. And I also noticed something about you is that you have the ability to not, I wouldn't say wear a mask, but you wear different hats and are really good at meeting people where they are and communicating with them with how they communicate. And you figure that out really quickly. So, so I, I never, in all the time I spent with you, I never saw you have like an awkward encounter because it seems like you figure people out really quick of how to talk to them. Um, so I, I just always admired that. And speaking firsthand, yeah. I know you do awesome work. And as long as you adhere to what you say, it works out perfectly. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to backtrack a little bit and ask you, cause I like, I know there are different types of diabetes but I don't understand the differences. So can you explain that a little better for me at least? Yeah. So um, there are by, I guess, traditional understanding, two types of Mm -hmm. diabetes Um, type one, which was formerly called um, like pediatric diabetes. Um, Like it was formally understood that children like you're born with it, right? Type one. Mm. But now we know that that's not the case. Um, there's okay. actually now adults like in their twenties, thirties getting type one. Um, so it's not, you know, just a pediatric disease. Um, what I learned is that there is upwards of like 70 different causes of type one. Um, and usually it's a virus. So, okay. um, there are different viruses that we can encounter in life. Um, and it's really interesting, um, but basically the virus attacks the beta cells of the pancreas, um, causing diabetes essentially. So lack of insulin production because of the injury to the beta cells. Um, and, and so that's type one. So basically type one, there's no insulin production by the, by the pancreas, the zero insulin. Um, and therefore that's why the main treatment is insulin therapy. 
people have to do the injections, um, you know, insulin pumps, um, different types of, of modalities, but that's the, you need insulin. A type one diabetic will die if there is no insulin. Got it. Whereas type two diabetes, um, type two is usually late onset. Um, a lot of it is in junction with other diseases of metabolism. So usually that's the person who might also have obesity, might also have high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, sleep apnea, like usually it's in conjunction with those. Um, and it's not saying that those people have all of those at the same time, but it's at least one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in that situation, it usually starts with like a, like a pre-diabetes, right? So usually the person's like, they're producing insulin, but not enough. Um, it's not the similar mechanism with type one where there's like the beta cell situation. Um, so type one, I mean, sorry, type two, um, they can actually reverse with diet exercise, right? Okay. Um, and that's a lot of the people who I see in practice now because it is so widespread. Um, and the treatment is different like type twos might be on insulin but it's the last it's like usually the last option Um, yeah like if you're a type two and you're put on insulin then it's already probably not going to be reversed for the most part um nowadays there's so many different types of um new medications coming out um to manage type two i'm still wrapping my head around it Mm-hmm. Um, but most of them, from what I understand, are targeted for weight loss. So okay. they're helping the, the type 2 person to lose weight, which would in turn help to improve their blood sugar, their insulin sensitivity. Um, it. It's very interesting. But that's the main difference. Okay. No, that, that makes total sense. And I didn't know that about type 1 diabetes as there's like a delayed onset now. It's not just something that you're born with. That, that was kind of always the differentiating yeah. thing that I was like, you're born with it versus you catch it <laughs> not that you catch it yeah. but but no that but that's super interesting and and is that and you mentioned about type 2 diabetes that a lot of the medications coming out now are more directed towards weight loss is that kind of the most i don't know if you look at things on like a bell curve is managing weight kind of the main course of action to prevent or, and I mean, I'm, I know there's extenuating circumstances that so we're talking in like generalities. Yeah, I think that um, from what I see, a lot of the direction that my patients have been told is by their doctor, they're saying lose weight, it's going to improve your blood sugar. Like mm-hmm. they're really taking that first like step. Mm-hmm. Like, above all else, get your nutrition right, lose weight, and then we mm-hmm. can assess like, because most people, they don't want to take diabetes medication. Like Fair. weight loss is one thing. It's like people understand that they're overweight, right? Oh yeah, I need to work out, blah, blah, blah. But once they get told like, hey, you're going to be put on medication, that's when people tend to like wake up. Um, so I, I'm seeing that a lot. Like people are coming gotcha. in like, yeah, I don't want to be put on medication or I don't want an extra medication. You know, usually these people are taking multiple medications for mm-hmm. like blood sugar control and weight loss Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah but the late onset is very interesting um i've actually so i'm i'm i 
technically still pediatric because I was diagnosed like 12, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of my family has it. So I, I actually wow. got sick from, after coming back from a family trip. Mm -hmm. I had an upper respiratory infection that was actually caused by a virus. And I was sick for like, like the whole fall semester, um, like wow. three months. It was very, it was like a very severe <laughs> infection. Oh my goodness. And um, yeah, after that, like I recovered, but my pancreas didn't. Um, so they're like, they pretty much hypothesize that, yeah, it's most likely that the virus kind of like affected your pancreas and that's what ha that's what's happening here. And then I actually, in my, like when I was in university and in my internship, um, I met um, some other late onsets. Actually, there was like a support group during my rotation at Cleveland Clinic for wow. like all these late onset um, people. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. That it's uh, like, it is, it's more common than we think. And I think a lot of these people are being misdiagnosed as type two, which is scary. Mm. But um, another person I met, he was actually a trainer. Um, he's like this big, like beefy guy. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I got diagnosed when I was like 20 something. I think he said um, it was after like going somewhere, like again, similar thing. Like he traveled somewhere and he came back. Mm. He was really, really sick. Um, and then after that, he found out that he had type one. Gotcha. Wow. that That's insane. And I can imagine that obviously when you have conventional thinking of delayed onset, isn't really a, isn't really a thing. I know it's, becoming more common as you're talking about, but when someone presents in their twenties, you don't think that it's type one. So that I can imagine that's really scary. Um, yeah. 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 You need the support you need. So those support groups coming in for sure. I think we could do a whole episode on just this topic. So we're going to, we're going to have to table <laughs> this conversation just to, so that we can continue to move on. But this is super, super, super interesting, but I wanted to kind of roll into, you were talking, you were just had mentioned like your rotational group. Um, and I might've missed it when you said it, what like the educational side of becoming a registered dietitian, is that a, graduate degree or is that just like you got your degree in nutrition and now you need to match with someone to get the hours okay so now it's both okay. um now, now like the students who are graduating uh, with dietetics to be a dietitian like they uh -huh. will have a master's in nutrition um, got it the the academy like the regulating body for nutrition and dietetics now like they pretty much are wanting everyone to have their masters. Mm -hmm. um, but when I graduated, I, that wasn't a, that wasn't a thing. Okay. So I'm not that old, but it was like, <laughs> when I graduated, they, I was like the, I was grandfathered in. So basically we knew that that was coming down the line, but my graduating class, they didn't make us get a master's. In Got it. So I think like my group, my year is like one of the last ones. Gotcha. So need it. But yes, you do need a master's now. Okay. Um, but with that, that doesn't mean that you're a dietitian. You have to go through your uh, rotations. You have to get matched to an internship program in order to become a dietitian. And you have to complete your full hours with a preceptor signing off on them in different areas of nutrition. So like you'll do a rotation with community. So like there are dietitians who work in the community that could be something like WIC 
like a very common example is like a WIC dietitian, um, women, infant, and children. So helping with people in that scope. Um, or it could be clinical, which is a, a big chunk of the rotations. So you could be matched to work at a hospital. Um, and then food service. So dietitians do work in food service management. So um, in a lot of the times they'll put you in the kitchen of the hospital, right? So managing with like all of that, like the food production, food safety, like the everything that is involved with food, right? Recipes and things like that. Um, but yeah, you have to do all of that and you have to have that um, full 1200 hours, I believe it is, um, in order to take your exam. Gotcha. Now, just out of curiosity, do you think that you would could or would have passed the RD exam without the hours? Because I have no idea what the exam entails. I, I think exam is like a sit down SAT type, but I'm just curious. So it is kind of like the SAT, although I don't remember taking the SAT. I did take it. I didn't do very well, but the Same. it's online it's on a computer so it's a computer based um type of exam um anyway but i i it's hard to say because i think the the benefit if you have a good rotation right if you if you it all like the stars have to be aligned like you have if your preceptor like is great you can really learn a lot um, and give you tips on the exam. You know what I mean? Um, because not everyone passes the exam on the first try. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a lot of like benefit that comes from like that hands-on experience. Um, because a lot of what you get asked on the exam, especially for like the clinical questions are case studies types and their case studies gotcha. are basically what you do like in action. Right. So, I think you do. Yeah. Of course, there could be someone who's like, you know, takes the test and passes, right? Because just because they study the material. Um, but I think that you do get a value out of the, the internship. For sure. No, And I was just wondering more, on, I guess, on the lines of like, is the is the exam more educationally based versus like practically based? But you just said that there were case studies. So it definitely helps. And I and I'm and I wasn't trying to like say that or try to allude that the working out or the internship hours weren't valuable because they obviously are because that's where you actually get the hands-on experience so you don't just take a test and just like go meet with this person that you have really no yeah. practical idea of what to do yeah so. i think i think um and i didn't i didn't think that you were saying that like that but um it's i think a good kind of point to to discuss a on like the certifications that people get nowadays, like just yeah. oh, like, study this book and then take the test and now you're nutrition certified. And like, I think that with nutrition more than any other area of study, like you're not seeing that with PT, you're not seeing that with like, <laughs> like um, exactly. uh, chiropractors, you know what I mean? Like um, I think in nutrition, that's like the one area where people can just like find some type of like test online, book kind of like certificate program and then boom, I can start talking to people. Um, but I think that really sets us apart as dietitians is that length of time of unpaid service 
you know, like oh, that whole year or nine months of working like a dog or as a dietitian, basically, um, really getting hands-on experience in all the different areas is really what sets us apart. Oh, I love that. And that's something that I did want to ask you on, because on your side of things, being the RD, like what are those main differences of being an RD versus like, like I got my nutrition certification with Precision Nutrition, but that's not the same thing, obviously. What what have you seen are the main differences and like what you can do versus what someone with a nutrition cert can do? It's a really a fine line and I want to make it very clear like I'm not putting any of those people like mm -hmm. I'm not putting any of that down like I have met a lot of people like who have precision nutrition certs and do very sound counseling and mm -hmm. I think that um, it's great they can definitely help us out you know in, in improving the health of just our community um, but I think that the main well first of all as a dietitian, like we own the term nutritionist. So like okay. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist, like that is my title. Um, however, a nutritionist, someone who goes and gets their precision nutrition cert or any other cert, um, they are not like, so that is a very clear distinction. Um, so those people who have their just general precision nutrition, um, they cannot provide medical nutrition therapy. So a dietitian is registered to practice medical nutrition therapy. So they can make specific recommendations for people who have dementia, for people who have dysphagia, for people who have IBS, IBD, high blood pressure, diabetes, right? We can work with the medical conditions someone who just has a nutrition certification should not like they really should not be doing that. Um, I couldn't agree more with as someone that just has a nutrition cert. I would only feel comfortable working with someone that at least in like medical eyes is like they are, they are relatively healthy. Yeah. I think that's where like people have to check in with themselves too. Like, um, who are getting those certifications like you know like as you were working at lifetime mm -hmm. you can give general nutrition advice right and mm -hmm. you have the certification and a basic understanding of you know hey like i'm training you but also like eat better and this is what you could do right, right. um right. <laughs> so you have to kind of like check in with yourself and and see you know what what's within your scope and what's not i think for the most part like i've worked with a lot of trainers i have trainer friends like it's just my path has been a lot of work with athletic populations mm -hmm. and um i think for the most part people do a really good job of kind of tapering that down like if if, if they see that someone has like a medical condition they kind of like hey back off and i'm not going to tell you what to do on that Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing that I see is, uh, the supplements though. Like that's yeah. the, <laughs> that's the, that's the line that they cross most often is people with nutrition starts giving supplement recommendations, which that's really, really, you're walking a fine line there. Fair. No, I, I totally get that. And yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally get that. I agree with it. Um, and, and I would also say, cause 
I, I think dietitians and I don't even know what you would call someone, someone with a nutrition certification. Cause like you just mentioned, they're not nutritionists. You own that term. So. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's confusing. They are, they can call themselves nutritionists because they have a nutrition certification, like a nutritionist, uh-huh. is just like someone who studied, maybe they have a certification, a nutrition coach can call themselves a nutritionist, mm-hmm. um, but they cannot call themselves a dietitian. Got but it. We, we basically own it. Yes. So I, by default, am also a nutritionist. So some, if someone gotcha. asks, like, oh, are you a nutritionist? Yes, I am. But I am also a, I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. Like, it's, that it's like sense? that. It's, it's like that saying. It's like a square or a rectangle is a square, but a square is not a rectangle, or whatever it is, or an oval, or yes, yes. I know what you're about. I don't <laughs> Words know are hard, but but that's that's what it is. It's confusing, but basically, just mm-hmm. know that a nutritionist who doesn't have their degree, like or they didn't pass the state, you know, test, etc., um, mm-hmm. they're not a dietitian, unless right. they right, one hundred percent, yeah. Can, is that, can you accept insurance? Yes or no? Um, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, but no, I, I love it. And I think those are very important differentiators. And both of them have their place uh, just wholeheartedly and soundly. And I think you're, you're a particularly not, you're, you're not like the only person, but I feel like a lot of dietitians don't cross over into the fitness industry there's a, there are main, there are a lot of hospitals, things like that. Like what, what I'm trying to say is that I would trust you if some, if I wanted you to like coach me to do a bodybuilding co- competition, I can't say that about all RDs, but, but I would trust you to do that because you have experience with the fitness industry and those type of clientele versus I feel like a lot of RDs probably don't. And that's no fault of their own. They're just, Station, they're at a hospital or they're in a some sort of other type of medical clinic. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I'm honored. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, like, oh. I think that um, a lot of RDs kind of like, I guess, touching on that, like do have imposter syndrome. So like they want to like, they probably won't dabble into like working with an athlete because they might not feel confident in their making those recommendations, mm-hmm. um, which I totally get. And I think that I struggled with a lot, but like working, I think one of the positives that came out of like lifetime and working in the industry was really having like, just dive in head first, like the whole drink through a water hose. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's do this. Like I'm going to do it. And I think that's really an awesome way to learn. Um, but I'm also not a, conventional dietitian. Um, And so I came into my career, like knowing that about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I still, it took some time, I will say it took some time and I still kind of, um, I don't know, struggle with that imposter syndrome. Like it, like what you just said, yeah, like you would trust me to like coach you through a bodybuilding competition, but like, do I trust me to do that? Like fair. Um, which, but like, I, I can do it. Like I, I totally can do it. It's just crazy to like, I don't know. Um, think that that's, uh, you know, something that I can do in my career, you know? Yeah. Cool. (laughs) No, absolutely. Um, 
And I want to also ask, like talking about your career and the route you took, and you've already mentioned at least one person, but are are there like mentors you've had along the way that have really helped you in all of this? That's a great question. I'm embarrassed that I don't have like a name that's like, (laughs) like right in the pocket. Because I think that having someone is so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my colleagues have been a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Um, my felt like getting started in the hospital, I've created really close friendship with dietitians that are like a just in the beginning. And I think that was so foundational to like learning the, the scope of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of navigation of like where I was going in those early days came from my conversations with my colleagues. Mm-hmm. So I remember like sometimes I would be driving to work and I had like an hour drive back then. Um, and I would be driving to work and Sometimes I'll be like on the phone or like texting my friend who my colleague that I was actually going to go see uh-huh. in the office, like crying, like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like, do I want to, <laughs> I don't know, like help me, guide me. Um, so it was just like, I think, I think they really, I would say were early mentors um, and, and kind of like that guiding light. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely um, Amy Pizarka, I was a huge support. Um, at, at my first job when I didn't get matched. Um, mm-hmm. So I, she kind of is someone who like, we haven't spoken in a very long time, but I know that if I were to find her and reach out to her, she would be super helpful. <laughs> um, and I think right now, it, like the door is open with my current role um, that I, I'm, I actually am like ready to explore um, more of like a business mentor. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. I really, I wasn't like a nice answer, but. <laughs> no, I, I, and I, everybody's journey is different. They're like, not everybody had that like one person that they could always just turn to or whatever. Like there's, I can't tell you how many just individual conversations and colleagues or coworkers or whatever you want to call them that I've had that have increased my knowledge or made me look at something a different way, which led me to doing internet research or reading papers or whatever it might be. Um, So I I think it, I think it's really cool. And that I I do really think that's really cool that you may not be able to say like, Hey, this X person is who I consider my mentor because not everybody has that. And I don't want anyone listening to this to think like, Oh, if you don't have a mentor, you're doing it wrong. Like that's not the case. Yeah. Which is how I don't know how you feel. That's how I feel. Like mm-hmm. when you ask that question, I'm like, oh shoot! Like it's not the first time that that has that has come up, right? Uh-huh. Like you have these conversations, like you know, in in business school, and just like even just as you're in your career, like do you have a mentor and like a business? I don't know, like a career coach and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, should I? Like I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't think it because I think there's so many different ways to get to a point Z or A to B or whatever. Yeah. So and maybe you and I or people that don't have a mentor it might take them longer, but not everyone has 
found that person in their life at that certain point. So yeah. I, I don't think there's a wrong way. Yeah. And then like nothing, like nothing against people who do have those, like I'm happy yeah. they have found those things. But the other thing that I found with those like coaching groups or like, you know, um, what do they call those like little um, sessions where people get together um, like mind something mind like meeting oh of God. the minds or something no, like uh, <laughs> I don't know meeting of the minds no there's like a name for it anything like basically the whole what I'm trying to say is that a lot of those like like niche groups or like business coaching or whatever um, they come with a mm -hmm. price tag you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, you know, um, I'm a millennial. I have trust issues. Like, <laughs> it's like a whole thing. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know. It's it's going to take, you know, a lot of convincing um, for me to, like, and you know, I don't know. Like, I just don't yeah. want to, like, punk up a couple hundred dollars. Um, and it could be great. I could be missing out on something. Like, I don't know. I, I probably am. But like when you're when you're on a dietitian's income, which is another, <laughs> another topic for another day, when you're on a dietitian's income, like you have to, you know, like figure out where you're gonna invest. And sometimes right. that's just like taking the leap and drinking from a fire hose and like learning as you go versus kind of mm -hmm. the the coaching and things like that. Yeah. No, at the end of the day, every journey is gonna be different and how people get there is gonna be different. But I do want to circle back and touch on a topic that you, you mentioned a little bit during your story at the beginning. And it, and it was about your philosophy. Like I, I would like to know in broad terms, and we'll get more narrow as we go, but like, what is your philosophy you take into, like, I guess, nutrition? It's a very broad question. Yeah, um, and I have a very cliche answer, but I, I hate I hate it. But um, I think I don't hate it. It's just it, it's just I don't know. I'm just gonna say it. I'll, I, I am I am a philosopher. I am the uh, in the I can't even speak. See, here's the like word. <laughs> um, my nutrition philosophy takes an all food fit approach. Like I very am very direct with people when they come in to meet with me. Like, hey, I am not going to hand you a piece of paper and tell you exactly what to eat and give you, you know, on, send you on your way. Um, the expectation from meeting with me is that we have a conversation. You know, you interrupt me, ask me questions like, hey, I saw this on TikTok and what do you think about it? Um, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that when I'm making recommendations that they make sense to you and that they fit your life. You know, I'm not going to tell you to, I don't know, uh, have salmon when you hate salmon, you know? Um, right. And so I think that making sure that that's very clear in, in, in like new patients that I work with is so important to me um, simply because of everything that we mentioned before, like, Things that things that nutritionists will say or nutrition coaches will say, things that you hear on TikTok, right? Um, I want to make sure that my philosophy is very, very clear and all foods fit is like a sh very short, concise way to, <laughs> to say that until I found out, until I find a better way of saying it. Um, 
No, I I love it because we have very similar philosophies. Like, I'm not a demonize a ty- certain type of food person, and I'm not a push a certain type of food person. Like, yeah. If, like you said, if you, I'm not going to push salmon on you if you hate salmon. Then that's that's a big reason why I'm not a big fan of meal plans. Um, you, I'm there's a time and a place for them, but my ideal world is you have the discipline to make the decision for yourself. Um, keyword discipline. Keyword discipline, keyword adherence. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I, I totally get it. And, you know, and for me and the experience that I've had working as a nutrition coach is what I'm going to say, um, is that, 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 in, that adherence piece and that discipline piece are the most important um and in my experience like yes some people do well with a meal plan some people do well with every type of diet out there but a lot don't so it's finding like what works for that person yeah and and i think that's a huge piece but i digress on that i want to keep going um because i think that and please correct me if i'm wrong but my imagination says that the majority of your patients are probably is uh, the the goal is weight loss. Majority. Yes. I think obviously not all. I think, well, I will say that they're coming um, some from doctor's referrals, some on their own, Mm -hmm. Um, whether or not it's wherever they're coming from, they think that they are seeing me for weight loss but they also have other things going on. So like they will say, yeah, I really want to lose weight, but also I have MS or, but also I have diabetes Mm -hmm. and, you know, high blood pressure or whatever. Right. Um, So it's kind of a a little nice little melting pot of things. Um, And so that's when I have to say, okay, cool. Well, like, we have to address like what's going on with these things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the weight loss will be part of the end result. Right. 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 And no, I love that. And I don't even know how to phrase this next question I'm trying to ask because it's so broad. Like you were just saying, like it's, it's for you, it's a lot of weight loss and, or, yeah. or, or whatever. There's always, there's very, probably very rarely at this stage. Do you see just someone, just someone that wants to lose weight loss and nothing else is going on? True. It's very rare um, for me to see someone who is like, they're, I don't know, overweight and they don't have high blood pressure or they don't have high triglycerides or mm-hmm. their cholesterol's perfect, but they're overweight. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, all of those things really go together. Right. And, and real quick, I do want to back up. And do you mind telling the tens and tens of listeners that we have, like, what are you doing now? Because we've talked a lot about like the fitness industry side, but you're no you're no longer like the RD at Lifetime. <laughs> no, I'm no longer in the gym. I mean, I am in the gym, but not like, right. No, I you're mean, getting your gains. You're not helping other people get their gains at the gym. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am a dietitian with HEB. Um, which is like the main, the one and only, the best <laughs> retailer, <laughs> grocery retailer. 
um, in Texas and in Mexico. This is not a sponsored uh, episode <laughs> by AGB, by the way. Definitely not, but uh, full support. We, we love what they do. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so that's where I'm at now. So it's retail. So my field is called retail dietitian. Um, okay. So there are actually dietitians across the nation, like different stores. Um, I think not at Publix, but in the Northeast, I remember meeting a dietitian who worked at one of the grocery stores in New Jersey, right? So okay. there's definitely dietitians in grocery stores. It's not a new thing, um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, no, perfect. So I, I just wanted to set that up before we started continuing talking about like kind of what you're doing and your approaches and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess where I want to take this next conversation when it comes to things like like weight loss and the different strategies you you use and all of those things is I want to start when you're answering those questions. I also want to see best we can clear the air of like the quick fixes and cliches that you see like in the I saw this on TikTok. Does it work? I saw I lose 30 pounds by drinking apple cider vinegar every morning like on TikTok or whatever it might be. So I don't have TikTok, which is really hard. To keep, like <laughs> on Instagram like, or. <laughs> I'm, but like I also like I'm realizing like what a powerful force TikTok is on Americans. Like I, mm -hmm. I just really, I don't know. I didn't when TikTok came about during the pandemic. I just thought it was just another like you know, Snapchat, Instagram, like cool mm -hmm. like. But it's really like taken over and I get people right. coming in like showing me recipes that they found on TikTok and all these things. Um, so I do find that it can be helpful. Um, I for just like my mental health need to limit my avenues that I yeah. am in. So I don't have a TikTok. But yeah, there is a lot of things that come out of it that I'm like people tell me, oh, wow, I found this supplement I'm taking. I don't know. XYZ because of someone on TikTok. Like, can you tell me about it? Mm -hmm. um, what was the question? No. I, <laughs> I, it was more broad. And I, before we dive into it, I, I do want to say, like, I use TikTok and use recipes that I find on there. Like, yeah, there, there, there's and there's a few people that I follow. They're like flexible lifestyle registered dietitians that do, but budget friendly, high protein like, stuff that I look for. Yeah, like there, like there are great, there is great information out there. You might have to dig through the mud a little bit to find it, but there is great information out there. I, um, I completely believe you. And then sometimes I'm like, so I'm like, so amazed, like what people show me. I'm like, oh my God, that is so cool. Like, I'm going to look uh -huh. into that. Like, thanks for letting me know. I, I say every day to my patients, oh, wow. Like I learned something new every day. Literally. <laughs> it's like, I literally learn something new every day from my from the people I work with, which is cool, but. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, but I guess where I want to start is kind of like, someone someone comes in, overall theme of this person is like, hey, I need to lose weight. Exclude like high blood pressure, external things for now, for now. Um, wh where do you start with that person? I start with lifestyle. Um, tell me what you do. What do you do for work? How high is your stress? How do you sleep? How much water are you drinking? 
what mm-hmm. kind of other beverages are you drinking? Um, I would say like a, a little tagging onto the philosophy is like keeping yeah. it simple. Like I am very much like the kiss method. <laughs> like that is me. Um, yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. For those right. who do not know, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is um, me. So like that's where I'll start. Um, uh, like, and I and I know that people um, also might have like questions that are like on the on the forefront of their mind that they are like, oh my gosh, like I have my meeting with my dietitian. I want to make sure I ask X, Y, and Z. So like, I'll also start with like, put anything out on the table that you want to just ask me. Like, no question is dumb. Like, ask right. about it. So I it gives me a feel for like where their heads at. Because um, some people are just like, I just. I just want a meal plan. Like, I just want you to tell me what to eat. And like, that's it. And they're, they're, they're not in that stage of change where they're open to hearing any type of education. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I start with those types of things to kind of gauge where they're at and yeah, I guess meet them where they're at. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I, like I said earlier, you're amazing at doing that. And I love that. That's how you, I love that those two pieces are how you start off conversations and it's getting those questions out. Because I feel like everybody goes to, I know you're not a doctor, but they're going to a medical visit and there's questions on the forefront of their mind. And then you get into the visit and you forget, and then you leave and you like, ah, oh, crap, I didn't ask my questions. Um, so I love that you start that way and then figure out their lifestyle. Or, or, or it's um, intimidating, like the doctor, they might be intimidated or like they might feel like the question's stupid or something. And mm-hmm. so I, I like, I, I always do my best to say in the beginning, like, Hey, like, I don't, I'm not offended by, by interruptions. Like, just please, I want you to get the most out of this hour. Cause it's just one hour out of your life that you're meeting with me. Right. Hopefully not of your life. Like hopefully you meet me <laughs> seeing each other continuously. Right. right. <laughs> if nothing else, this is your one hour. So <laughs> get the most out of it. No, I love it. Um, and then I guess, I don't know, like where you go from that point. I know it's very, very broad, but what you've seen is like that. Yeah. What you've seen, like in general terms, like where are you going after you figure out lifestyle? And now it's, I don't know if it's now time to devise a plan, but. (laughs) Yeah, I think plan is used. I I wish there was a better word because sometimes Mm -hmm. the plan is just like, I don't know, drinking a bottle of water a day because you're not drinking. Right. You know what I mean? So I think like, I don't know how people view plan, but sometimes when I hear plan, I'm like a whole spreadsheet, like very like detailed, you mm-hmm. know, things. And it's just like, that is not feasible to get done in one hour. Like we are not right. going to give you a very detailed individualized plan with your food preferences, with your allergies, with supplements, with all of these things in one hour. Like mm-hmm. a robot could probably do that. And maybe somewhere in the future, we have robots doing that for people who want that. Um, but from there, I think it's really just like, okay, um, let's just get a usual day of eating. Um, I, I'll dive into like a usual day of eating. Um, I, we need to get a sense of what people are doing. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, and I say usual day of eating because sometimes with 
like 24 hour recalls people don't remember you know um mm-hmm. i think also it can be very skewed because people will walk in and and oh i'm meeting the dietitian i have to tell them that i ate broccoli last week you know like right like i try i, I try i get this so much like I try to cook, but you know, like when I cook, I try to do like broccoli and maybe some salmon and like, they're just like thinking of all like the, the things, right? Like right. I try to do this and I use olive oil. Okay. Awesome. So like, what did you have last night? Oh, we, oh, last night was so bad. That's all. <laughs> like we're using that word. Like, oh my gosh, last night was, it was so bad. Like we went out because my son had a baseball game, whatever, whatever. It's like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Your son's in baseball. How often does that happen? Right. Because then I'll know like, okay, well, if your son's doing baseball four nights out of the week, you're not going to be cooking. Like it's, it's not going to be realistic for me to tell you to cook a meal on mm-hmm. you know Monday through Thursday. Right. Um, right. So that's kind of my next segue. And I'll, I'll try to find like little tidbits. Like if I, if I find that because of the their lifestyle like it's just i'm not going to even talk about cooking then i'll just talk about hydration and and water and maybe like a snack like that they can bring or something right mm-hmm. um but then a lot of the times um like the nutrition education piece will start with energy balance so i'll just go from from okay their lifestyle their day-to-day usual day of eating into understanding like what is a calorie where do calories come from? The macros, carbs, proteins, and fats. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, great. You told me that you drink a lot of soda. What's in soda? Right. Connect it back to the macros, carbohydrate, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Carbohydrate, but it's not the kind that we want. You want more complex. Soda is giving you sugar, which is more of a simple. So that's kind of where we'll generally go. No, I love it. And I know it's very difficult to, it's like a specific question with a broad answer because it's not, because I'm not giving you a whole lot to go off of. <laughs> and you, you see so much, so many different things, but I like that you brought up like the, um, what, what phrase did you use? Energy balance. <laughs> yeah. The energy balance side of it for me, I hear energy balance. I think calories in calories out. Um, and I, I don't know if you remember this, but that was like the like only question I asked you when you interviewed um, for, for us at Lifetime was in was like, what what is your view on do calories matter or whatever? I don't even remember what I asked, but I know it was a calorie related question and you <laughs> laughed at me because um, <laughs> I think I actually worded it. Do you believe in calories and calories out? And I think you just laughed at me. <laughs> um, I think that's what I asked, but I, but where I'm coming from with, with that, then I still come from it now is there is a, there is a group that say it doesn't matter. I, well, or not that it doesn't matter why you can't, or why counting calories doesn't work, I suppose is more of that group because you can't, I, I don't feel like you can realistically say that it's not a thing. You can't. It's definitely been established. <laughs> it is a thing. Yeah. The research is there. Um, I, I think that 
where a lot of the people um, who are not in that direct mindset um, mm -hmm. kind of fall into like the all foods fit approach, but also um, wanting to kind of not have this burden of counting calories. So mm -hmm. like people who are calories in calories out, like knowing that, that that's a thing will automatically go to like counting calories or, you know, looking at the data which works for some people and some people right. are okay and that's okay for their mental health and they're okay doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but then there are some people who like, it's not, it, it, it's, it's very, it's a burden. It's, it's not helpful for them. Um, right. in which case th those are those people. So when I talk about energy balance and calories in versus cal calories out, I do it from an education perspective, like just so that people understand, like this is what it is. So, like this is this is this is what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not expecting you to count calories. Got it. So we can do this without using a MyFitnessPal or another type of app. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm not on one team or, or the other. I think both. Both can work, but I think the underlying thing is what you mentioned earlier, discipline and right. finding their why. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. And I think that's, I think a lot of times that people get caught up on, like they hear calories in, calories out or counting calories or whatever, yeah. and they get hung up on the tracking of it. You, yeah. I, I, I used to, I don't track anymore because it's not conducive to my lifestyle. <laughs> like it, it's more annoying than it is helpful at this point. Yeah, but but what I do do and understand is like if, if I I I know that if I need if I'm trying to cut some poundage that I that I need to expend more calories than I take in, but what but what I do at this point in my life is that I make I meal prep and it's a lot of like I'm gonna make X amount of food and divide it into six six servings or whatever it might be. And that ends up being an average of, I don't know, 500 calories, just a number. Like, right. And I do know that. So, and that gives me an estimate if I really wanted to, if I was trying to lose weight or gain weight or whatever it might be, I know ish where I'm at. And then I can go from there. Um, yeah. But like, I don't track anymore. And it, cause it's also really annoying. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to weigh everything anymore. <laughs> I've never weighed food in, outside of like, school mm -hmm. you know i don't have a scale um and that's not i'm not saying that to say like like i'm not flaunting anything like yeah. oh, like this i don't have a scale like no that's it is just it's not conducive for me i don't feel it's realistic and mm -hmm. i i have a really healthy relationship with food i feel like i had to really create that healthy relationship with food because of my diagnosis like mm -hmm. um I, I think that a lot of what drives me is being told when I was diagnosed, like, oh, you can't have Snickers. Like, you can't have this. Like, you can't do that. You know, like, a lot of what I do is because of what people think that I can't do. Um, mm -hmm. And so you, I tell people, like, no, like, if you don't want to, if you don't want to use my fitness pal, don't. If you don't want to, like, put your stuff on a scale. But we have to find something that works for you, for you to be able to identify 
what four ounces of protein looks like. Right. At the end of the day, like that education piece needs to be there, right? So whether mm -hmm. it is we look reading the nutrition label, whether it is using the hand method, whether it is using the plate method, taking a picture of it, whatever, something that works, right? Well, that's where I come in because mm -hmm. otherwise I, th I find that people get very overwhelmed with like, oh, like I'm not tracking my food or, oh, I should be weighing or, oh, I'm, I'm failing because, you know, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing it right. Um, mm -hmm. But no, like it's, there's no one way. Right. No. And I, I want to highlight what you, what something that was key that you mentioned is that the relationship that you have with food, um, that it, it is. I would say imperative that you do have a good relationship with food and not, and that one piece of, the example I'm getting at is that when I was in New York and I was like mid bodybuilding lifestyle, I would. I thought about that. It, <laughs> modeling. Yeah. Um, but if like, I couldn't, if I couldn't track a meal, cause I tracked everything. I, I was, t it was a, poor relationship with food like i'd walk around with a food scale on me like because if i had i did 100 percent did yeah um wow but like if i couldn't track something then it's like oh i can't track it days ruined eat whatever i want or starve myself like it's what yeah. it's one of the two yeah. um so it, it it just wasn't healthy so i want to i was just highlighting that the relationship with food is so important that what one meal is not going to kill you it's not or whatever it might be like have the thing like have the um, oh my god like shipley's apple fritters have changed my life also not <laughs> shipley's but like my god those things are like the best apple fritters for i don't know they used to be a dollar i don't know what they are now but uh -huh. <laughs> like i was just like oh my god a dollar and these are like amazing the best apple fritters ever like i don't care if you give me a ten dollar apple fritter made by the hands of the lords like i like yes eat the thing like if you want it have it right but understand and that you know energy in energy out like what am i what's this doing to my body what's mm -hmm. the long-term impact if i continue to have like an apple fritter every day you know like right just, you know be kind to yourself have the thing go to the party do the things, realize that those are sometimes, sometimes foods are a mm. thing, you know, sometimes I have an apple fritter. Sometimes there's a birthday party and there's going to be alcohol and pizza. That's cool. That's life. Right. Yeah, no, totally. And th this is a whole conversation. We could do like a whole episode on. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. And I just, I just think that, that, that it is really important, that relationship with food and, under, and the understanding and the education. I think that's what so many people are lacking is the education side behind it. It's too, it's too black and white. It is. I think um, society has a lot to do with that. I think that we live in a society that demands like perfection. Um, and now like with social media, I think that even more so <laughs> like compounds that mm -hmm. um, I'm not a therapist. So like, I'm not here to talk about that, but I just think that that has a lot to do with our expectations. Right. I think mm -hmm. that um, we think that I will be happy when I lose 20 pounds. I will right. be happy when I 
I don't know, get my skincare routine perfect because of the TikToker that does this thing, right? Or mm-hmm. you know, if I buy the house, get a better job, right? I think that um, there is so much more to what I do than it's just like telling you what to eat. Um, and I think that part of part of having a session with me is realizing that like we're not robots and like life isn't perfect. And you know, hey, like. I don't cook fresh meals every night and that's okay, you know? Um, yeah. But let's learn something today. Let's talk about something. So. <laughs> no, I love that. And, and I do want to just for the, I, I guess, not, I guess, like for the sake of time, because I want to also respect your time. We've been going over an hour and there's a couple more things I want to hit on. Um, so we're going to, I'm selfishly going to say that I'm going to have you back for another episode and we're going to dive <laughs> deeper into other things. Um, but I really wanted to highlight something that I've noticed that you've really gotten into. And that's like, you've really gotten into yoga, it seems like. Um, and you might have always been into it, but I know I've been seeing like you're teaching yoga. And, I just, and I'm just curious, of like, what got you into that and how that came about? Uh, yeah, so I haven't always been into it. I think when I moved to Houston, I took a class at Black Swan and it kind of like opened up. I don't know, like this amazing world of yoga and yoga practice and how like deeply connected it is. It's not just a physical practice. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's just, we can have like 10,000 conversations on like how yoga has changed my life. But um, yeah, I really got into it in like 2019, um, 2018, 2019 after moving here um, really as a way of like, you know, commute like maybe meeting people like I was new to the city and um black swan is like community-based yoga and you know again dietitian salary it's not expensive (laughs) it's donation based like Uh I thought that was amazing it's an amazing business concept like you can donate however you however much you can right wow dollars a class twelve dollars a class like but not only that like the quality like you're not getting what you would expect like the, the the teachers are amazing like some of my favorite teachers um anyway so i ended up falling in love with yoga because of black swan and it wasn't until like lifetime that i like thought about like kind of like side hustle like oh like i really enjoy this and like you know i could get my teacher certification and maybe i teach that's something that like i like to do but it's also mm-hmm. like, an extra form of income i thought it was a genius idea and so um, I decided to do teacher training um, right after the pandemic, I think 2021, mm-hmm. fall, um, winter, like I got, I got January to March, basically. Um, and so I did it through Black Swan. So I came full circle and did my teaching cert through Black Swan. Um, amazing. Like highly recommend. Love them to death. Um, and then, yeah, I decided to like take the jump and start teaching because I, I, I loved how much yoga had an impact on me, um, stress management wise, just life wise. And yeah, um, it's amazing. So at the time I was given the opportunity, um, my friend had a a gym, um, and he was like, Hey, like, you know, powerlifters need to move. <laughs> they're like, we need to, they're like, we need to stretch, we need to move. And so I actually came back to the gym and taught, you know, I was teaching power <laughs> lifters. 
a lot of powerlifters, like guys who can't go like this. <laughs> um, it's funny. I love them though. Like I, I it's, it, it's like, I don't know, near and dear to me. Like, I think it's awesome that like someone who can like, lift 600 pounds, like, um, wants to like be able to do yoga. Like that's, uh -huh. like, it's awesome. Anyway. So yeah, so I'm teaching, um, not so much at the, at that gym anymore. Um, but I do outdoor yoga on Saturday. So this morning I taught, it's a beautiful day in Houston. It's amazing. I love outdoor yoga. Um, and it's nice. Like I, I literally, um, I almost cry um, sometimes when I teach my classes because it's just so nice to like see people come out. It's like crazy. Like, I don't know. It's yoga is so much more than like teaching for me. It's so much more than like a second income. Um, it's, it's everything. No, I love it. And I mean, that leads because I know you just said that we can talk a lot about this. So I'm going to ask you for the most concise you can get it. But like leading question of like, why is an activity like yoga or meditation or things like things like that when you think about yoga, um, like so important to overall health? Yeah. Mobility. So, I would say like a concise way to say it is it's having a direct impact on your nervous system. Okay. So like you can, you can, I guess, relate it to like, you ever have butterflies in your stomach, mm -hmm. right? Like for people who have that, like that butterfly in stomach, that's a connection. That's you're you're feeling something, whether it's anxiety or stress, right? And you're having a gut reaction to it, right? Mm -hmm. And yoga, the movements, the postures, the meditation, just sitting in stillness and just breathing has the same powerful reaction on the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Like you can improve your blood pressure <laughs> like you can, you know, lower your stress, you can improve your gut health, you know, like it is just, it has, it's, it's, it's all the things looped into one. Um, but then it's also not like, yeah, because it's not just that physical practice. Right. Um, mm -hmm. like my favorite thing about yoga is like, I can do yoga just sitting like that is, that's also yoga. You know interesting um so it's it's oh my god it's like a radical connection to your body uh -huh. that you can get um through the practice of yoga but also um humbling like uh it's it's a it's it's a challenge it's a home it's a it's a strength it's a it's all the things it's all the things <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no i love it and i and i totally get it and i mean i'm not i can't sit here and say that i've done a whole lot of yoga i should and it's interesting to see you say like you can just do yoga by sitting like there's so much more about it that i want to learn and i know it's so important and um i've i interviewed a a woman that's a doctor of like natural medicine and she was talking about very similar things, not necessarily yoga, but like the CNS recovery side of things and how beneficial that is. So that's so like yoga or meditation or anything that we were just talking about, just like one segue that you can use to help your nervous system recover and how important that is for your health. So I, I just think that you may not know, because I don't know if you've ever listened to one of these episodes, but just it's cool to see the parallels. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. No, I um, I'm going to definitely add it to my queue 
um, so I can listen to that one for sure. For sure. I'll send it to you. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but I do want to continue to kind of start, kind of start wrapping our interview up. Um, and I, and where I want to start with that question is kind of like, do you personally offer like in person or virtual consultations for nutrition as well as yoga? Like, where are you teaching? And if someone, or if someone wanted to take a class that was specifically yours and attack that question, however you want to attack it. Yeah. So yes, you can meet virtually for nutrition and um, in person for nutrition with me. Um, I can share with you like my provider link um, yep. so that they can just check that out, scheduling availability and all of that. Um, as far as yoga goes, I teach at a local gym here in Houston, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 a.m. So if people are early birds and they want to kind of flow with me, it's a nice little class. Um, and that um, that's at a gym called Facet 7. Oh, cool. Here. And then um, on Saturday mornings, um, I teach at, it's like at a, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's basically um, a, an apartment-based class, um, but um, at this time, it's not open to the public. So got it. But I'm hoping to add on like a, a, a community-based class soon on the weekends. It's just hard with my schedule. Like mm -hmm. I like teaching, but I also don't want to like burn out from it. Um, of course. So and I I would be open to privates um, for yoga. Um, so I guess just for that, I would use my Instagram page to kind of inquire, you know, ask me questions about it. Um, but yeah. And what is your Instagram handle? And I'm going to add it to the description. I'm going to add it below you for YouTube, all of it. So my Instagram handle is Savvy Eats RD. I love it. <laughs> so not. I just, you know. Instagram came out in college, so <laughs> I haven't changed any of my things. No, I love it. And, no, and you and you answered my next question, which was going to be like if someone wanted to like follow along or get in touch with you on a private side of things, how would they do it through your Instagram? Um, and I do want to touch on one last piece that we were talking about off camera when it comes to the nutrition side, like to the best of your ability explain the because you do take insurance when they meet with you through heb but explain that for anybody that might want to do that yeah so i'm part of wellness services with heb um and we have yes i we do accept insurance um i would the the easiest way to get all the questions answered is just to follow my provider link and call the number because I don't handle like the coverage and I don't know mm -hmm. the ins and outs and every insurance plan is a little bit different, but right. I do know like if you're, if you're in Texas, like we take a broad range of insurance. And so um, you can call and like inquire more about that through the number. Perfect. Perfect. And I will add the number, the link and everything to the descriptions okay. below on all YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts um, for anyone that's listening. But for all Sarah, the, you got to manifest it for all the thousands upon thousands of. Listeners. Yeah. 
Yeah, all of you blow Sarah up. That's all I'm asking for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sarah, I do want to I do want to say again, thank you for joining us for this next episode or for this episode of the Helpful Huddle. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having. I do cool. Absolutely, I do really appreciate you taking the time. And again, I'm selfishly am going to have you on for more more episode or sodes that like parentheses s. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, but I do want to once again say thank you. And this is where we say goodbye to the people. So th thank you to everyone. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys. <laughs> thank you for listening to episode 11 of the Helpful Huddle podcast, where we interviewed Sarah Barrero. Remember to give us a like and a follow on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter with the user handle at helpful underscore huddle and the YouTube channel at helpful huddle podcast. You're also able to listen to us on both Spotify and Apple Podcast. The links are also found in the description below. Please reach out with your questions on topics that you would like to learn about in the future.